He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. And every week, Andy Hall's bringing them to you on the Laser Airwaves. This week in Andy's Hall Pass. Not only one of the most talented and influential singers, songwriters, and guitarists of our generation, he's also one of my personal favorite human beings on this planet. Joining me via the Laser Hotline this afternoon, Mr. Jerry Cantrell. Hey, Andy, what's up? Always an honor to share the airwaves with you. I appreciate your time today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. The countdown is on to October 29 and the release of Brighton, your third solo album and first in 20 years. No doubt your uh, commitments with Alice in Chains probably had a lot to do with the gap in between Degradation Trip Volumes 1 and 2 in Brighton. But uh, let me start with the question of once Alice in Chains had gotten back together a little over a decade ago, once again becoming sort of your main focus, was there still a desire at that point to continue writing, recording, and releasing music of your own? Yeah, in 2005 is when we started kind of uh, on the path that, that we've been continuing on with. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's been, a, been, what, 16 years? And, and uh, you know, we made some really great records and uh, kind of breathed new life into the band. We brought in a new member in William, and, and we've been able to take the music around the globe multiple times and add to the book that is Alice in Chains, you know, three great records, Black Gives Way to Blue, The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here, and, and Rainier Fog, and uh, that's that's a full-time job, so <laughs> I didn't really I didn't really have time or really the inclination to, to make a record. Uh, we have learned to take a little time for ourselves and recharge, and so after the Rainier Fog Tour, we were planning on taking a bit of time off, and I, I had started thinking in 2019 about making uh, a, a record again uh, outside the band, and uh, my co-producer and friend Tyler Bates and uh, Paul Figueroa, my, uh, you know, Alice's longtime engineer and, and, and my uh, demo partner, we started talking about, you know, doing some, doing a record, and uh, Joe Breezy came on board to mix, and between the four of us, we started kind of working through that, you know, just going through ideas, working stuff up, and uh, between the four of us, we kind of put the band together through friends that we all individually or collectively knew, and uh, it was a real organic process. And uh, I came out with a really great record. I'm really proud of it. A long process, though. I think the first public mention of a new solo album from you came in early 2020. And that, of course, was well before COVID-19 was burned into the public consciousness. But the process yeah. of making this album essentially took a year from what I remember seeing on an Instagram post you made several months ago. A lot can change in a year, Jerry. Did Brighton change a lot from the ideas you began with versus the finished product? Yeah, I wouldn't say that the the body as a whole changed, but I would say that it got some depth. It got some depth and a little bit more of a richer tapestry uh, because we brought in a couple of players uh, in that process uh, that weren't with the initial group. And uh, Joe Brisi uh, invited uh, Abe Laboreal Jr. to kind of come into the project, and Abe is just a fantastic drummer. So the record is split between Gil Sharon and Abe Laboreal, and they both have really distinct feels. And and Joe Barisi 
have, you know, rightly suggested, you know, making it more drawing on the ethos of like 70s records where it's like a, you know, you, you have a tapestry of players and that makes the, the, the record a, a much more rich experience rather than kind of a set band. And, uh, Vincent Jones, who did some amazing keys and strings and stuff, uh, came in really late in the process also, uh, through Paul Figueroa. Uh, he does that amazing string arrangement and key performance on goodbye the elton john cover that mm. closes the record it's just so emotional you know and uh it it took longer than i intended it we it was really challenging every record is has its own unique challenges and covid definitely provided a pretty big challenge so we 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 just figured out how we could continue to work and try to keep it as safe as possible and basically worked in one-on-one or in small pods and or sending tracks back and forth. In the case of Abe, he was in New York, and uh, it definitely made the record a, a deeper, richer experience. And some of the tracks uh, uh, really benefited from the extra time and the extra players. I think there's two trains of thought here. Like when you are given a little bit of extra time, and there, that's the silver lining here, I suppose, is being able to give it that breadth and that depth because of the time you had. But I, I'm not sure that's a not a rare thing. Obviously, that you get more time to tinker with something but when you do tinker like that can be good and can be bad can it it can be bad you're right you're absolutely right sometimes you got to let it go man you could you could uh you could tinker a record to death you absolutely can't so at some point you got to leave it alone and move on yeah and uh luckily you know in my experience making music over the last uh 30 plus years I've been really lucky to have you had basically what was required, you know, and uh, but but, uh, you know, you, you do come up, up up against that kind of like uh, I could I could mess around with this thing and maybe do this better or whatever, you know, uh, maybe play something a little bit more correct. But, you know, I, I was listening to a uh, interview and uh, Keith Richards was talking about uh about perfection, like going, you know, going too far. Sometimes it's it's better to keep the energy and something that's just about right instead of perfect. You know what I mean? And and leaving some humanity, leaving some things that might technically be a mistake, but when you put them together, it just it makes a bigger, uh, more more alive human thing you know and so it, it's it, it's good to not, not to not to push it too far yeah perfectly imperfect is how i put it and you know it's a lot of those albums that we grew up with and you mentioned the 70s a lot of those albums had imperfections all over the place because of well a lot of reasons but technology what it was at the time and you know maybe the tape was getting a little thin and they couldn't afford to do another take but um yeah i think that really makes the experience and these days it see it feels like music is a lot more sterile in that respect not to disrespect anybody's art but just yeah too much tinkering can be a bad thing no question about that yeah yeah you know there's benefits to the technology you know that we that we use and and but it can take some of the some of the spur of the moment human feel out of it you know you you listen to those old records and if you break them down track by track you can hear out of tune guitars you could hear missed fills you could hear some uh, drummer speeding up and slowing down (laughs) i Mm. mean it's just but you put all that stuff together and it's magic 
magic, you know. That's right. You alluded to Sir Elton John's Goodbye, the cover that is included on the new album, Brighton, and was given the blessing of all blessings by the man himself. I know how thrilled you were to have him record some piano on Black Gives Way to Blue and be part of the Alice in Chains journey, but for you to cover a song of his and not only get his blessing, but be complimented by Elton, that's pretty freaking rad, man. Yeah, you know, it's... uh it's uh I've, I've i've been lucky enough to have a lot of experiences like that in my career and uh meet a lot of my heroes and 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 befriend a lot of them too and uh uh El- elton is uh the top of the heap for me and uh having him be a part of black gives way to blue our our kind of you know if you want to call it a comeback record uh you know with william and and basically on that song you know saying goodbye to Lane and also uh, saying hello to the future for us to have him be a part of that was, was a really, really important and kind of a, a full circle moment. And, uh, you know, I did a couple of shows in LA uh, in the process of demoing uh, stuff for Brighton in December 19. And we closed both shows with goodbye a song. I've always really dug mm. it closes Madman across the water. One of my favorite Elton John albums. And coincidentally it ended up, you know, being the closing track on a on a, on this record, both song both albums are nine song records, and Goodbye is the last song on each of them. So it's it's where it should be. I sent Elton the demo. I just wanted to make sure he was cool with it, make sure I didn't butcher his tune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, he was like, no man, it's beautiful. He did a great job. You absolutely should use it. So uh, that, that that felt felt great to get that uh, affirmation from him that that uh, he was okay with what I did with his tune. God, he's been passing out compliments a lot lately. I don't know if you caught uh, James Hetfield tearing up a bit when uh, Elton complimented him on Nothing Else Matters being one of the best songs of all time. How about that? <laughs> I did see that, and it is one of the best songs of all time. James is... Uh, James is somebody I've admired my my whole life, you know, as a songwriter, a guitar player, and uh, that was a pretty special thing to see see between Elton and he. Yeah, Jerry Cantrell is my special guest. His third solo album, Brighton, is coming October 29, and we've already gotten a couple of tastes. The song "A Tone" having been put out there over the summer, and the title track and its video came out here just recently. Do you write these solo tunes from the same creative POV that you do with an Alice? Like, could the ideas be interchangeable? all or is there a definite difference for you no there really isn't a difference uh uh you know I, i've developed uh i've developed a style in the way that that i write and that i sound and that is pretty intact in either venue um i'm always kind of collecting ideas and before i ever get together with alice to record stuff i i just feel better knowing that I'm walking into the room with the guys with a with a whole grip of really good songs or com- complete songs or or really worked up almost together songs to be able to throw at the guys and see what they dig so uh the process for me isn't is the same the only difference is the the players that I'm playing and recording with you know uh in the case of Alice you know those guys I, I can always count on. They're going to take any idea that, that I have and they're going to make it so uh, that much better. You know, they're going to inject themselves into it and, and elevate it. And when you're working outside of the band, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough on Boggy Depot, Degradation Trip, and this record to play with some amazing musicians uh, who are, you know, heroes of mine and also friends of mine. And uh, you can count on that as well. They're going to inject themselves into it and elevate the 
uh, elevate the piece of music further than you could on your own. So uh, it's really just who who you're playing with. If if Alice had recorded any of these songs, it would be an Alice in Chains song, but they uh, recorded it with other folks, and so you know it's it's under my banner. I would have loved to have been in the room if someday you're uh, you know playing with the Alice guys and they're like you know cut you in. Where was that? You know a couple of years ago, pal. You know. <laughs> I could have well, been luckily, you know, luckily we've, you know, we, we, we haven't run out of ideas and we're a creative bunch of guys and, and, and we can always rely on the fact that we're going to make records. I, I think that making records outside of the band that you're kind of associated and known with is a healthy thing. We've all done it. Lane did Mad Season with McCready and uh, Lanigan and, and, and others. Uh, Sean and Mike both did a record with, uh, with Vinny from Sponge and Chris DeGarmo. Uh, Mike's done work with Hart and, and, and uh, Zach Wild, and you know, I've done records on my own with a bunch of really cool people from Fishbone to Primus to to Paul McCartney to you know to uh, Dillinger Escape Plan. So uh, uh, you know, Trujillo and Borden as well on Degradation Trip. You know, I've, it's 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 a healthy thing. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's 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 good. And William Duvall, William has put out a couple records in this time too with GTO and this uh, uh, solo record that he put out uh, before the pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of quick things before I let you go, Jerry. On the subject of Alice, I absolutely loved the Founders Award program you did with the folks at Mopop there in Seattle, and I didn't realize how big a deal that is for a Seattle native. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's our little thing. You know, Paul Allen uh, is a guy who really gave back to his community, and, and uh, uh, you know, I've re- always admired his love and respect for music and, and uh, was lucky enough to be invited to be part of uh, honoring a few artists, Jimmy Page, John Fogarty and the Doors, you know, so uh, along with a whole bunch of great musicians, we got to like play their music back to them and with them, you know, and while they were accepting the award. So um, to have that uh, award uh, come to us and be the recipient in our hometown uh, meant meant the world. And, and you know, two things happened uh, that normally don't happen with that award. It's usually a local, just in-person show. So pandemic uh, really kind of changed that and everybody had to uh, kind of do things remotely. And uh, so, but in a weird sense, it got a, it went around the world rather than just being a thing in Seattle. And number two, all of our friends and God, still so many great performances, you know, uh, were, you know, people rallied and, and from Metallica to Fishbone to, to Hart and, you know, Lanigan, Tad, Soundgarden. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, it was uh, it was an amazing experience. It really really made me tear tear up in a few spots. You know, especially Lily Cornell and and uh, Chris DeGarmo doing Black Is Way to Blue. Uh, yeah, uh, it's you know that was just just touched touched my heart. You know, I was amazed specifically at how Mastodon nailed your guitar tone on their rendition of Again. That was impressive. Guys are badass. That was a great version. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every, every, it, 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 if you haven't seen seen that, it's probably out there online. Uh, give give it a, give it a watch. There's just some great great performances. For Very sure. honored to uh, have our music celebrated like that. Finally, Jerry, I'm a fantasy football nerd and run in the, some of the same social circles you do, actually, in that world. Bob Harris and I have been friends for many years. Um, <laughs> love, Bob. Uh, I know you just had your annual charity league kick off with the draft not long ago. Real quick, how's the squad look through week one? Pretty good. Um, you know, in, uh, in my league, uh, 
but it started off with a, a tough matchup against Fabiano for against week in week one, and I was uh, I'm happy to report that I trashed him. So uh, <laughs> he decided to play. I think he played Tannehill instead of Dak, and he's like a Cowboys fan. So Ooh. like I'm not, I'm never going to let him live that down. You can't. Uh, but uh, I had a I had a really you know I, I I had I started Kyler and he had just a ball out game and. Uh, yeah, I think I scored the second most points in the league that week. So uh, we'll see what happens this week. I, I feel pretty good about uh, about the draft. It's it's a really great league. Uh, if, if, if you don't know about it out there, uh, Mike and I are big big football fanatics, and uh, we got into fantasy football, and we have a charity league which Bob Harris and John Hansen and XM Radio uh, have supported, and uh, we raise money through a charity auction and donate the proceeds to the winner's charity of choice every year. It's a really cool thing, man. Makes me wish I'm in the room when I'm listening to that draft, and I'm so jealous of my friend Bob that I text him constantly like, you ass, I hate you right now. <laughs> but uh, right, right on, yeah, Jerry. pretty good spot. Got, uh, it was uh, let's see what Kyler Murray, uh, DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who had kind of a crappy game, Mixon, Hawkinson, uh, uh, Chenault Jr., and uh, Chase Edmonds. That was my starting lineup with uh, Greg Zerline, who had a couple of missed kicks, but kind of rallied in in the New England D. So. Uh, it's a killer squad right there, my man. I don't know what uh, draft slot you uh, you drafted from, but you did pretty well, I'd say. Thank you again, Jerry. This was awesome. No problem, dude. Thanks for having me on.